At Crossroads, we believe that faith is best lived in community. Nearly 200 homes located all through the city host small groups and are formed around a common stage of life. Groups study God's Word, pray for each other, build friendships, and learn more about what it means to live in community. They care for one another in times of need and are committed to finding ways to express their faith through service in the community. It's the model we find in Acts chapter 2. Crossroads believes strongly in the importance of small groups and challenges every believer to find an Acts 2 community to help them grow from where they are to becoming the full expression of what God intends for them to be here on earth. You can join a small group today. Visit CrossroadsChristian.com. Wow. Is anybody else's heart beating just a little bit faster after that song? That was so much fun. Yeah. (laughs) So we have been, over the past couple of weeks, in a series that we're calling The Playbook. And so for five Sundays, we're taking a step back from what we normally do around here, and we're asking the question, what is it that makes a great church? What are those characteristics that we believe that God has really called us to live out? What kind of a church are we? If we're in the game, and if we're on mission, then what are those plays that are going to be critical for us moving the ball down the field? And so whether or not you've been here for a long time, or maybe this is your first Sunday with us, this is a great conversation for us to have. If this is your uh, first time here, um, you have picked a great time to join us. Because we're giving you an opportunity to pull back the curtain a little bit and to see here are the things that are so important around here and make the decision, yes, I want to be a part of a church like that. Or maybe you've been here for even decades. It's great for us to have the opportunity to say this is what we're supposed to be about. Because as as we ask those questions, who are we to be, it really gives us an opportunity to evaluate ourselves, evaluate our lives, evaluate our church. Are we in the game? Are we moving the ball down the field? Well, when I saw that this was a sports-themed series, I thought, oh boy, this is the wrong thing for me to be a part of. I, I grew up in a family that spent a lot of time outside but had almost zero interest in professional sports. And so that's just not the world that I have lived in. In fact, um, when I'm around a, a few friends and the conversation starts to turn that direction, I usually try to just fake it as long as I can and then sort of quietly slurk away from that. There are probably two other guys out there that can relate to that maybe. Um, In fact, when I first walked in and saw the way the stage was set up, I thought, what in the world does tic-tac-toe have to do with this thing? Okay, not really. I'm not that bad, but but I, I do love this series, and I love the topic that we're talking about this morning, community. Do you remember your first place of belonging? Do you remember your first group, your first tribe? I was reminded um, just a few weeks ago when a friend of mine from my high school years posted on Facebook a picture of church camp at Hilltop Christian Camp over near Nashville, Indiana from 1983. We got a picture of this up there. Yeah, you can tell this is the 80s by the, uh, the parted and feathered hair on the guys. There's a couple of mullets up there and just the general big, wavy, flowy hair of the girls. And, and the dude on the back row on the left-hand side with the, with the headband, I don't think that looked cool even back then. But, um, but a lot of the people that were important in my life are up there. My dad is on the top right row. Some of you might re- recognize um, Pam Hendricks, the girl in the red in the very center with the hat. 
Um, she and I grew up together. She was a part of this ministry along with her family for a number of years. But three of my closest friends are also up here. Three guys that were so huge during this period of my life, my growing up years. Almost every fun, good memory I have kind of revolves around Brad and Mike and Chris. That's me down in the front with the parted and sort of feathered hair. Um, yeah. We were in each other's weddings. I was in all three of theirs, and they all three were in mine, and um, just um, close, close friends to me. I remember the time, around this time of, uh, in the early 80s, our youth minister came to us and said, hey, listen, I'd like to gather uh, some guys at my house uh, one morning a week before school, and we'll do breakfast together, and then we're just going to talk. We're going to maybe study the Bible or study some other book. And as I remember, for a long period, we, we did that. And it was my first, I mean, small groups and D groups were kind of just, just coming on the scene um, in our churches and our youth ministries. And so uh, for a, a chunk of time, we, we did that. And I remember a lot of laughter, and I remember serious conversations as we talked about what does it mean for for young men to follow Jesus. So I was looking at this and remembering my first community, and, and then my eyes were kind of drawn to the top row. And, and I saw someone I totally was not expecting to see at all. They're kind of lurking in the back. Is someone, Some of you will recognize him right away. Um, if not, we had our media team do a little digital magic and enhance the photo. So yeah, this is Todd Bussey just a few years before he joined Crossroads as one of our pastors. And you might notice, too, if you look to the right, two people, the guy very smiley is Scott Brooks. And he and his wife has, have also been a part of the Crossroads family. Uh, Corey Brooks leads our women's ministry. And so Todd and Scott actually became best friends at this week of camp and stayed in touch um, for all the years in between that camp and when the Brooks moved here. So um, just it's a fun picture for me. It represents community past and present. But this morning, we're going to take a look at another picture of community. This one comes from Acts chapter 2, and it really opens for us that original playbook by which the early church lived their life as they related to one another and those around them. So I want to set the stage just a little bit for what's happening in Acts chapter 2. It takes place on the day of Pentecost, and Pentecost was one of the many uh, annual holidays that the Jews celebrated. This was the one that they uh, remembered the giving of the law, so they remembered when, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and the other laws there on Mount Sinai, and it was a remembrance of that. Pentecost means 50th. And so it took place on the 50th day after Passover, which is um, surrounding uh, the Passover was the arrest and the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. So now 50 days have passed. And Luke tells us as he writes the book of Acts in the first chapter that, that Jesus spent about f those first 40 days with his followers, and then he ascended to heaven. We looked at that event a couple of weeks ago um, as he gave the great commission, go into all the world, be my witnesses, here, near, and far away, essentially is what he said. And then Jesus told his followers, now I want you to go back into the city of Jerusalem and wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to show up. And then he ascended back to his father, and his disciples did that. They gathered um, other followers together, and they waited, and they prayed, and the Holy Spirit did exactly what Jesus said, um, came on the scene, and there's loud kind of um, sound of a wind, and there's fire. It was a really big kind of deal. And it caught the attention of a lot of the worshipers who were there in Jerusalem, 
And so they came to see what all the, all the noise was. And as this crowd formed, one of Jesus' followers, Peter, stood up and he preached really the very first Christian sermon. And he preached about Jesus. And when he came down to the end, as he, as he got to the part where he says, and this Jesus, the one that God has made Lord and Christ, the one that God has made to be the Messiah, you crucified. And the people interrupted him at that point and said, then what should we do? And he said, repent and be baptized. And 3,000 people did exactly that. And so this morning, we're, we're going to break down this play into, into a couple of parts and look at the way that these Christians related to one another. And the first thing that they see is primarily they did this within the context of small groups. They fellowshiped in small groups together. There were 3,000 of them plus, we know that, but the main expression of the way that they did church was in homes where they could eat together, where they could get to know one another, where they could pray for one another, where they could um, uh, fellowship together. So here's, here's what it says here at the end of Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And the believers were all together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions and they gave to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And so we see them here gathered in these small groups within homes, reaching out to one another, fellowshipping with one another. And Luke uses a very interesting Greek word to describe this word fellowship. He says they, were, they experienced koinonia. And this is a very rich word that means sharing together. It means living a common life. It means um, doing life together, living in communion with one another. It's a word that's used 20 times in the New Testament, and this is the first time. And so we learn that they koinoniaed, they fellowshiped within the context of small groups. Now here's why this is so important. It's important because when Jesus came and established his followers, the way that he did things was different than any other religion in the world. Instead of going to a temple someplace, he met with a small group of people. And so, as his followers began to live with him, he communicated to them this important truth that we show our devotion to God best by the way that we treat one another. That the primary way that we show our love and our commitment to God is visibly seen in the way that we treat other people. So this wasn't just out of necessity because they didn't have a large building. It wasn't just a fad that was sort of part of the, those first days, but it got to the very, very heart and the soul of, what, of the kind of people that God has called us to be. And so what we're experiencing right now in this place, this is good, this is vital, this is important. I hope that you, get, that you got that last week as Ken, our lead pastor, and, and David, our worship pastor, shared together the importance of, of, the, of the community gathering around worship and the Word. But what we're experiencing right now is not the whole story of the way we are to be and to do church together, not by a long shot. That the core comes down to the way that we live with one another in community. It's what set those first believers apart. It's part of the uniqueness of Christian community is sharing life 
together. So Christianity starts with God reaching down to us and offering us forgiveness and giving us his love. And then he invites us in to something. He invites us into a relationship with himself. And he also invites us in to community with one another. This is so important. If you don't believe me, all you have to do is look through the New Testament at the 59 places we see the words one another. One another shows up over and over and over again, emphasizing how critical it is to get for us to get um, the importance of our community life with one another. And so I thought this morning, especially since we freed up a little bit of time with no announcements, that we would just walk through that whole list together, all right? You guys up for that? Okay, well, we'll look at a few of them. Um, here's how, what it says. Number one, be at peace with one another. Two, wash one another's feet. Three, love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. And if repetition of, is any indication of importance, then I think this is one we should pay attention to. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. And in case you missed it, love one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Instruct one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Might want to star that one. When we come together to eat, wait for one another. Have equal concern for one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And if repetition is any indication of importance, serve one another in love. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another, and we're not even halfway through. Do you get that this is so important? One another is just, it's everywhere. Jesus said it like this. He said, a new command I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so here at Crossroads, as we open our playbook, that is, that is right in the middle. It is one of our most critical plays. We've created groups everywhere because it's within the context of small groups that we learn to love one another, to one another each other well. And so we have um, small groups for our kids. In fact, right now, as our, our, our youngest kids are experiencing their time together, a part of that is that they are divided into groups so that they can begin to practice one-anothering each other. Our middle and our high school kids are divided into D groups that meet throughout the week for the same reason. When we moved here a little over a year ago, one of the first things that we did, my wife and I, was to sign up all three of our kids for a D group. And I, I cannot tell you how huge that was for them in terms of them making a home here and feeling like this is a place where they could belong and making their first friends. And over this last year, those groups have continued to be so important in their lives as those friendships have gone even deeper. You heard last week that our worship team is entirely built on the foundation of small groups. Every Monday night, there are 20-plus support groups that meet here in the building to love one another, often through very, very difficult things. Our men and our women's ministries, again, are small groups based. There's over 20 small groups uh, in our women's ministry that meet every week 
When our men gather here on Thursday mornings early for men's fraternity, we all pretty much gravitate toward the same tables so that we can connect with the same men every week so that community can be developed. And our adult small groups that we have called 242 groups or 242 groups for a long time are called that not just because we like those numbers, but it comes from Acts 242 that we've just read that describes the kind of community that we aspire to. So this is just so, so important for us. But what are some other things that were a part of this community as they gathered together? Well, one thing is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And the apostles' teaching centered on the Word of God, centered on the Bible. So they studied God's Word together when they gathered. It was, uh, this was the content of their meeting times together. And when our small groups gather, whatever the expression of, of those groups um, is they all connect and focus on God's Word, understanding it together, learning how to apply it together. God's Word is, is His letter to us. It's our ultimate playbook. It's what directs our lives. It shows us who God is and how to live in relationship with Him. It's, it's what tells us the things that we should in, add to our lives and the ways that we should live and treat one another that will please God and, and the things to avoid that will take us down a wrong pathway and move us away from Him rather than toward Him. And so it's so important for us as individuals even to have regular Bible intake, but there's something so cool that happens when we study God's Word together. We begin to see and apply it in ways that maybe we had missed when we were on our own. James tells us that it's not, a, it's not enough for us to, to just read God's Word. He says we need to apply it. He says this in the first chapter of, of his letter. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And so as we get to know a group of people and as trust builds and as we learn one another's stories, what happens is God begins to use that group of people, those friends, to be part of that mirror that where we're able to look at our lives and see maybe something that we hadn't seen before. We all need outside eyes to show us these things. Not to tell you something about myself, I have almost zero fashion sense. I, um, I, I don't really collect clothes, don't pay attention to, to brands too much. I have a motto of shopping, and that is never shop alone when clothes are involved. I just always want to make sure I have someone telling me that it's okay. For an embarrassingly long period of time, I thought Hollister was a university someplace. Um, it's true. So I, I remember this time that I was with, uh, walking into the mall with my daughter who had just, maybe was just starting high school at that point, and we were walking in together, and, and Elisa said to me, Daddy, I can't walk next to you. <laughs> and I, I was feeling a little bit emotional about that, like, okay, this is another one of those stages in life. I knew this day was coming. It's no longer cool to be seen with your parents in public. I, you know, I get that. And Elisa said to me, no, 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 Daddy, it's not that. You're wearing socks with sandals. <laughs> and so that started a whole conversation about, you know, is it fashion or is it comfort? Which trumps the other? Kind of came down on opposite sides of that one. <laughs> but she became the mirror to help me see something that I otherwise would have missed. And this has happened to me in my spiritual life as well. 
I remember a time within the context of, of a trusted friendship where, where one of my friends pulled me aside and said, you know, I appreciate your sense of humor, but sometimes, you, you may not know this, but your, your sarcasm can be a little bit biting. And, you know, there's the whole thing in Scripture that talks about let your words always be with grace. And so, you know, you may just need to think about that a little bit. And so I did. I thought about that a little bit. And, and I thought, you know what? You are, you are exactly right. I needed somebody to mirror that. I don't want to hurt someone's feelings by my words. I needed that friend to be a mirror in my life. And we all need that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. When they gathered together, they prayed together. In our small groups, we follow the same playbook. We talk about things that are happening in our lives. We share our stories so that we can know how to pray for each other. We talk about the things that are maybe needs or difficulties that are happening in our world and in our relational context. We pray for our city. We pray for our church and our neighborhoods. We pray for our, the missionaries that we are partners with. We pray for people groups around the world, cultures and people who are living in places that have been largely untouched by the gospel. We pray for these unreached people groups that God would open up doors and that there would be Christians who would be able to make their way into that culture and share the love of Jesus Christ with them. We, we ask God to show up in our meeting and to do something among us. And we pray that, that we would live our lives when we're not together in a way that, that would make him look good, a way that would be honoring to him. They also took care of each other. They met one another's needs. If they found someone who was going through a difficult time, the community was immediately there to encourage them, to lift them up and support them. And if that was a financially based difficulty they were going through, people would actually take some stuff if they didn't have cash flow. They would take things they owned and sell them for the purpose of meeting those needs. That's how much they loved one another. This past weekend, uh, we got a text from a lady who had recently joined our small group, a single mom, and she texted my wife, Missy, and, and the text just said, hey, could you pray for us? Water is seeping in our basement, in our, in our lower level. And their living room and office and her bedroom are all downstairs, and so... And she explained, you know, I've got a friend over and we're trying to rearrange the garage so we can create some space to move things. So Missy got off the phone and we sort of split up our small group, made phone calls, and within five hours or six, we had um, shared a couple of meals together. We had completely organized her garage, moved three rooms of some very heavy furniture and ripped up carpet, shot back to the concrete, and had fans blowing on the now drying concrete. And, and it was such a joy to be a part of that because of a couple of things. Number one, it was, just, it was just great for us to be able to be there together and to grow as a group. But, but what I loved was not so much the free manual labor. That was great. But more than that, it was what we communicated. You're not alone. We got your back. Your problem is our problem. We're in this together. An email came across um, my computer this week, 
that really um, illustrates exactly what I'm talking about here. This is a family in our, in our church community that had recently gone through a very painful experience, and we were just talking about that and all the ways that the church rallied around them, various smaller communities that they are a part of. And in the email, they used expressions like um, overwhelming support, the outpouring of love. They said that this was experienced mostly with their small group. And they said, here's why this is so important. None of our families live close to where we are. But our friends are the expression of the family that we are called to be in Christ, is how that email ended. And it really got me thinking, there are two kinds of stories that are told over and over again revolving around the Crossroads family. One kind of story is like the two we just talked about. People who are connected in community, who have a group, who have people who love them and who know their names and who know their kids' names and, and are intimately involved in their lives and who have somebody to call. And then I think of the nearly thousand adults who are a part of our worship experience on the weekends who are not connected in any small group. Who, when the flood waters are rising, whether figuratively or literally, there's no one to call. And I think that's not the way it should be. I love the first kind of story. And the second kind of story, frankly, makes me a little bit sad. And so, if that's who you are, if you are not connected, my word is to, to find a place to look for that. We, re we read from Acts the result of all of this, and that is that the Lord added to the community every day. Luke tells us that. That the, this, this, this community reached out beyond their smaller circles. They reached out beyond their group. And people were drawn to what they saw. They looked and they saw the way these people loved one another. And how, how that love was expressed. And they just wanted to be a part of it. They were drawn to that. We looked at this a few minutes ago where Jesus said that by loving one another, the world will know that we are his followers. He said something very similar just before he went to the cross. He was praying for his disciples, for them, by what they were about to experience. And then he moves on and he says, and I pray for all of those who will come down the road, those who will believe in me because of their testimony. And here's what, where that prayer goes. He says, praying for you and for me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Church, this kind of community is mission critical. It is our Vince Lombardi, this is a football conversation that he would have about the foundationals, the fundamentals with his football team at the beginning of every season. This is fundamental to us. It's the basic thing. It gets to the heart and to the very core. If we are to accomplish the mission of being a great commission church and a great commandment church, it is so vital that we are connected to one another in these Acts 2 kinds of communities. It's not that, yeah, we gather here on Sunday mornings and, oh yeah, by the way, I'm also in a small group. It's way more important than that. It's the environment by which we learn to live as followers of Jesus, and it's the springboard for us to go out and accomplish the mission that he's called us to. And God loves community. God loves community. All the way back in the book of Genesis at the very, very beginning, 
we read that God says, let us, speaking about himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. There's a plurality there. There's community there. Let us create man, again, plurality, in our image. And so male and female, again, that's relationship, that's community, he created them. And then God breathes the breath of life into them. He breathes his own spirit into them and animates them. And so this morning, if you find yourself in a search to belong, if there is something you know that you are missing, you need to know that that is the echo of being created in the image of God in your soul. That is the breath of God in your lungs. That is the imprint of his life on your life. And that search is a right and a good search. It doesn't mean that you're messed up. It doesn't mean that you're needy. Of course, you may be needy, but that's a whole other thing. But this is a, this is a vitally important thing for us. And so if you feel that here this morning, your search to be on a team, to find your tribe, then we want to help you in that. You were never, ever meant to live alone. God created us for fellowship, for koinonia, for belonging together. Acts 2 begins with those 120 followers of Jesus praying and waiting together in one room, waiting just as Jesus had asked them to. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so one more time, God breathes his life-giving breath uh, and creates community. It's almost as if God took all of his love and all of the power and all of the crea creativity that he used at the first creation and he breathes his breath into the first Christian community. And he is there. His breath this time is, is a sound of a rushing wind that envelops and fills the room and encircles the community. And the fire of God that, that these people would have recognized as the presence of God, seen it over and over again in their, in their history. The burning bush of Moses, the fire on the mountain as he gave the law, the, the, the fire that led the people in the wilderness at night, and the fire in the most holy place in the temple. And the fire shows up again, but this time it is distributed among the people and a tongue of fire rests among every person in that room and it's as if God looks down and sees what he has created and he says one more time this is very good this is very good and he breathes out and Christian community is created and so for the for all of us here this morning I just have Two final words. If you are on that search for belonging, if you're not connected in a group like what we've described this morning, then, then please do that. Dri drive a stake right now and say, I I'm not going to go alone any longer. A lot of our small groups kind of wind down with the, with the yearly calendar in the summer months, but we'll be right back up in August and so make that decision right now and, and share that with somebody and we'll help you stick with it. We'll help you follow through. But if you are living in community, never see that as a small thing. Never take that as just sort of a little extra that's added onto your life. 
See that for what it is. It's, it's something beautiful. Give yourself to that. Show up every time that group meets. Be vulnerable. Be real with that group of people. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. And then stand back in awe of the beauty of God's community. And you know what? You can start right now. Here in a moment, we'll have some friends that are down here at the front of our room. And if, if you are in the process of making any decision right now, share it with somebody. Just say, here's where I am. Here's what I'm going through. And, and I'd love to have your prayer. Or if you're going through a difficult time in your life and you've been carrying it by yourself up to this point, you know, it, today is the day for you to put that down, to let someone else help share the load with you. And so we just invite you to come and just be ministered to. We want to love you. We want to serve you. We want to pray with you, whatever you're going on in your life. You were created for so much more than being alone. You were created for community, and community is very, very good.